Welcome to episode 3. In this episode, we will be talking about racism and oppression in our world today. Racism and oppression is clearly still present in our world today. Some of these countries include Italy, Austria, Zimbabwe, and many Middle Eastern countries. In Italy, over the past few years, there has been a rise in racially charged violence against African farm workers in southern Italy. Austria's leader, George Heder, has had sympathetic statements towards the Nazis and is accused of having similar views as the Nazis. In Zimbabwe, there have been increasing amounts of racism against farmers due to poverty and lack of land ownership by Africans. In Middle Eastern countries, there are large amounts of violent racism by Muslims towards the Jews because of the differences in religion. Minorities of people in the Middle East have protested violently in the streets and have also committed racist, racist acts, attacking anything that appears to Western or from Western citizens. This includes American things and European things. There is racism throughout the entire world, including the U.S. This podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. Mr. Hadley, would you like a Coca-Cola Zero Sugar? Never had one. Alright, so issues that are experienced today that uh, connect to the book are uh, the countries that experience oppression today. And some of the top countries in the world that experience this oppression is Syria, South Sudan, North Korea, Saudi Arabia, Sudan, and Libya. And most of these countries are located in the Middle East and in Africa and also uh, there are some in Latin America, and that's where, um, that's where, um, uh, Mahmoud and Isabel live, but during, um, Joseph's time, obviously, Germany was being majorly oppressed, and so another issue that is faced, uh, in today's world is, um, immigration, because, uh, uh, the characters in this novel are experiencing immigration. Many people today are still experiencing problems with immigration, and most people are trying to get, especially to the United States, because uh, they're one of the most diverse countries in the world, and they also um, have the most immigrants that have come to their country in the whole entire world. And they also have, a, and U.S. also has a great economy, which is why many people try to get there. 
and which is why we also have more strict immigration rules than we have before. And um, this caused a lot of controversy on whether we should let uh, immigrants in or not, like different immigrants and like from Mexico, from uh, Middle Eastern countries. Like there was a travel ban that Trump set and he also made uh, made like a wall on the border of Mexico and the U.S. and made strict laws with coming into the U.S. because of how many that actually do come in every year. And it it's a big problem f uh, for those immigrants trying to get in because they are experiencing really harsh... Uh, really harsh experiences in their countries and they're being oppressed and things like that and it's hard for them when especially when they can't even get into the country they're trying to immigrate to and so it just causes a big problem in the world and it's still an issue a very large issue to this day and still needs fixed One recent example of racism in the U.S. is the killing of George Floyd. George Floyd was a 46-year-old black man that was killed in Minneapolis, Minnesota on May 25, 2020. The police were arresting him for allegedly using a counterfeit bill. During the arrest, a white officer, Derek Chauvin, knelt on Floyd's neck for several minutes after he was already handcuffed and laying face down on the ground. Floyd complained about not being able to breathe multiple times, but the officer refused to let up. After eight minutes, Floyd stopped speaking. The following day, videos were released on the internet by multiple witnesses. Chauvin was charged with second-degree unintentional murder and second-degree manslaughter. The two assisting officers, police officers, were charged with aiding second-degree murder. This is just one example of a time a man's life was put into the hands of someone else because of the color of his skin. <clears throat> All right. Another example of racism in the U.S. was the killing of Brandon Taylor. All right. Um, she was a 26-year-old woman who was shot in her home by the Louisville police. Um, they were trying to execute a search warrant on her man, Kenneth Falker. But, you know, bad things happen. Um, like, Rihanna, she was laying in bed you know, mind her business. Then all of a sudden, her door, yeah, her door was bust through. And the police didn't really, well, they didn't announce themselves, but they claimed they did. But, you know, her man said they didn't um, announce themselves. So, you know, they walk in, whatever. <clears throat> he shoots, um, like a warning shot or whatever. He, yeah, he should have warning shot. But one of the one of the bullets did hit the officer, so his warning shot did hit the officer. But the police just start you know, just shooting the house up. Just lighting it up. And um 
like one officer shot 10 rounds just without even looking just just shooting through the wall and uh, a couple of those hit Brianna you know she was just laying in bed doing nothing minding her business but then as she was shot laying on the ground whatever she was coughing you know struggling to breathe for at least five minutes the ambulance was on standby outside of the apartment but was told to leave about an hour before the raid but then they brung it back but didn't give her any medical attention for about 20 minutes and like by that time she was already dead so it's like that was you know I feel like anybody yet else it would have you know they would have hurry up to the person they would have they would have rushed to the person you know try to hurry up take them to the hospital make sure they live but you know it's because she was an african-american you know person of color they didn't want to help her for help. and then the officers you know haven't got charged with the killing of her and like it's been a whole bunch of protests and they still didn't get convicted so it's like it's really like what can you do like to stop all this cause like even when we do protest and stuff we still get killed so like, hopefully there is a solution to this you know just people start becoming more nice should be the option, but you know, people just hate. Although immigration has not directly affected me in my life, it has affected my ancestors. So both sides of my Situ's family, Situ is Arabic for grandma, um, immigrated from Syria through Ellis Island. My great-great-grandfather came over from Syria on a boat, and he immigrated... Ugh. My great-great-grandfather... <clears throat> My great-great-grandfather came over from Syria on a boat, and he immigrated... My great-great-grandfather came over from Syria on a boat, and he immigrated legally through Ellis Island. Once he was established, the rest of the family came over. My great-grandfather and his siblings and my great-great-grandmother came over on a boat that ended up sinking in the Black Sea. Um, they ended up being saved by another boat that came along. Many people died, but luckily my family made it over. My great-great-grandfather settled in Allentown, Pennsylvania and unfortunately passed away when my great-grandfather was in eighth grade. He had to drop out of school and get a job to take care of the family. He spoke a little bit of English because he was taught by Presbyterian nuns in Syria, but my great-great-grandmother spoke no English. Both sides of my Jiddu's family, Jiddu is Arabic for grandfather, immigrated from Syria too. Siddu and Jiddu's villages, Amar and Zoitini, were very close to each other actually, but they did not know each other until they were in Pennsylvania.
My great-grandfather Harvey was very well known in Allentown because he was responsible for helping many Syrians immigrate legally to the U.S. He sponsored their green card process. Growing up, when my mom would go over to her Sidhu and Jiddu's house every week, there were people there in their turbans greeting and thanking her grandfather for helping them immigrate. They would have to sit there and listen to the adults speak in Arabic the whole time, and so my mom grew up being able to understand Arabic. But once my Sidhu and my mom and her siblings moved to Centerville, they started to lose it, so I only know a couple words in Arabic, unfortunately. A major issue in the book Refugee and in our world today is immigration. In the United States, there has been a debate about immigration for a long time. One side is calling for fewer restrictions on immigration, and the other side is calling for stricter immigration rules. It's hard to determine a right or wrong answer for immigration, and this can be seen in the United States and many other countries throughout the world. For example, in Canada, they have a very open immigration policy. They have many programs that helps get refugees and immigrants visas that are necessary to become citizens. Although there are countries like Canada who are very open about immigration, there are also countries such as Denmark who have very strict immigration policies. The Denmark government offers cash for immigrants to leave the country who are unable to assimilate into Danish culture. The Danish People's Party website states that Denmark is not an immigrant country and never has been, and they will not accept a multi-ethnic society. A list of countries that are reported to have a very friendly immigration policy are Saudi Arabia, Germany, Russia, United Kingdoms, United Arab Emirates, France, Canada, Australia, Spain, and the United States. These countries all offer ways for refugees and immigrants to become citizens. Although there are countries who support immigrants, there are also many countries who are against immigration. Most of these countries who are against immigration have very small populations and have a very strong culture. The citizens of these countries feel that immigrants are causing their culture to go away, and they feel like immigration is making their home country not feel like home anymore. There are many different views and arguments regarding the issue of immigration. Many people support immigration because it brings diversity of races and cultures into their country. Others support it because they see how hard refugees live and how they want to protect these refugees and help them get into a better life because they know how much oppression they're running from. There are also people who are against immigration because they believe immigration causes their country to lose its national identity. They also believe that immigration will cause them to lose their jobs and increase taxes and immigration could cause overpopulation, and they fear immigration would also bring foreign diseases and cause more crime. <clears throat> it's impossible to say who is right and wrong regarding immigration, but I think we can all admit 
that we all need to help these refugees get away from their oppressive governments, such as in Cuba during the wet feet, dry feet policy when the communist regime was oppressing the citizens, and during World War II in Germany when Nazi Germany was killing the Jews, and still today many Middle Eastern countries who experience regular bombings and other acts of terrorism from their own government sometimes. Now we're going to talk about some research that we found on um, immigration in the U.S. culture today. So um, on PewResearch.org, I found that immigrants today account for 13.7% of the U.S. population, nearly triple the share uh, in 1970. However, today's immigrants, immigrant share remains below the record 14.8% share in 1890, when 9.2 million immigrants lived in the U.S. Yeah, also um, with the large uh, like expansion of immigration in the U.S., uh, it completely changed the U.S. culture. Uh, it turned into, they call it like a melting pot because there's just multiple cultures in the U.S. that all mix together and everyone is different from another. Since the, ni- since the late 1960s, um, Miami has been shaped by many cultural influences, particularly Cuban. The 2010 U.S. Census file for Hispanic or Latino origins report that 30, about 35% of the population of Miami was Cuban. And about 40% of residents are Spanish dominant speakers. In the future, we will start to see the effects on immigration. The Census Bureau estimates that the U.S. population will grow from 317 million in 2014 to 417 million in 2060, with immigration when nearly 20% will be foreign-born. This will also cause different cultures to all come to the U.S. and mix in with each other even more than there are now, and it will cause the U.S. to become more of a melting pot. Thank you for listening to episode three about the issues in today's world. Stay tuned for episode four.